I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. This Song Is Yours, we're a music podcast that chats to artists, musicians and creatives on their songwriting craft and upcoming projects. I'm your host Simon Fink and welcome to episode 283. We're lucky enough to be joined by legendary pop band Sparks today in support of their upcoming tour and appearance at Harvest Rock Festival. The band, made up of brothers Ron and Russell Mayo, are usually credited with having helped shape the modern pop landscape and are often referred to as your favourite band's favourite band. Before we get into one of my favourite chats for this year, please make sure you're subscribed to this podcast and ensure you're following us across all of our social media channels. We've got some surprise episodes this month with some incredible guests, so make sure you're following us to stay up to date. Details for all can be found within the show notes of today's episode. Our guest today is Sparks. The legendary pop pioneers are no stranger to the music industry, with brothers Russell and Ron Mayo having formed the band back in 1966 while still studying at UCLA. Over their incredibly varied and successful 50-plus year history, they've made records that touch across all genres, with the brothers having tried their hand at new wave, art rock, big band swing, glam rock and synth pop. They've influenced artists such as Depeche Mode, Bjork, Joy Division, Beck, and many more, with Jack Antonoff himself having been quoted on the record as saying, all pop music is just rearranged sparks. That's the truth. The band have seen a resurgence in their popularity after 2021's documentary by Edgar Wright, which was called The Sparks Brothers, which touches on their incredibly profound and prolific back catalogue and their influence on the pop culture landscape. In October, the Brothers Mail are bringing Sparks back to Australia for the first time in 22 years for their own headline tour and an appearance at Adelaide's Harvest Rock Festival. In today's episode, we're speaking with Ron and Russell Mail about their previous tours to Australia and what to expect from these upcoming shows. We talk about their incredibly varied career and their start in music. We discuss the Spark Brothers documentary and how it's brought in a whole new legions of fans. And lastly, we talk about their newfound friendship with Australia's own Kate Blanchett. Tickets to their Australian tour are now on sale, as are tickets to Harvest Rock Festival, and both can be found within the links of today's show notes. We also want to say a massive thank you to Jerry at How Good Enterprises for her help with today's episode. Here is our conversation with Sparks. It looks like it's a repeat. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Ron and Russell Mayo from Sparks. Gentlemen, hello. How are you going? Okay, okay. Well, 
Yeah, as well. We're Thank you. Recovering from a hurricane and an earthquake, but other than that, we're doing fine. I did see that. It seems like everything is kind of um, happening all at once in, in Los Angeles at the moment. Firstly, you're both safe. You're both doing okay. Oh, yeah. And the very next day, it was completely sunny and it looked as if nothing had ever happened. So it made it even weirder. <laughs> I, in the loveliest way, I feel that if anywhere is equipped with uh, to deal with the weird and wonderful, it is Los Angeles. There seems to be a resilience there for everything um, that kind of happens. So I, I'm glad to hear that you're okay. Uh, it's a very exciting time at the moment. Um, the Harvest Rock Festival was announced a few weeks ago and sideshows were announced this previous week for Sparks coming back to Australia. How, how are you feeling? We're very excited down here. What's it like on your end in terms of your Australian return? No, we're, we're really thrilled to be coming back. It's taken a while, but uh, we think that it actually the circumstances now surrounding our, our um, you know, coming to Australia, it's going to be that much more exciting because uh, so much has happened to, to Sparks since the 22 years plus that we have been missing from, from your country. So, um, so we're really excited. You know, a lot of stuff, especially there's been a bunch of albums, obviously, that have come uh, since that time, but also the documentary by Edgar Wright about Sparks has helped to bring about a new kind of awareness uh, from from people that just weren't that knowledgeable about Sparks or maybe had known about Sparks, but had kind of drifted off for a while for whatever reasons. But uh, his documentary has really had a big impact on the perception of the band now and and also the movie musical that we wrote uh called Annette also brought in uh people from a different you know different sphere that uh have seen what we can do musically but not necessarily in the band context so the combination of those two films plus the the recent albums that we've had it's really uh brought in new fans to the band which we're obviously happy about and so we're happy to see how that also uh translates to australia even in the um the reception that i've seen personally across social media people that we speak to there's a lot of excitement and it does seem to be from a very diverse kind of crowd as you just said there are people that are coming in from so many different avenues now of, of how they've discovered sparks or how they've come across your music I do very quickly want to talk about Harvest Rock for a second because it is a um, uh, it is a relatively new festival only for f- the last few years, um, but they do a brilliant job of bringing um, a lot of great alternative acts. Obviously, yourselves are on the lineup. There's Beck. There's Nile Rogers. Um, Adelaide is. Uh, I don't believe you've ever toured Adelaide before, and that is where the festival is. No, we haven't. We're looking forward. Are either of you the only place that I can kind of equate Adelaide to? We're very well known. I'm well, we're based in Adelaide. Um, is that we are very well known for our wine, so we're like the Napa Valley, if you will, of mm-hmm. Australia. So I don't know if that is a positive or a negative for yourselves. I don't know if Napa is a um, uh, if you're big wine guys. No, um, we're we're not the biggest drinkers, but 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 it sounds it sounds nice. Yeah. How how is how is Adelaide for lambingtons? 
we do pretty well. I think we recently won a Best the Bakery Capital. Award. Yes. So we'll make sure there are some lamingtons when you do arrive here. <laughs> okay. That sounds good. As long as there's lamingtons to go with the wine, then we'll be fine. It, it, it might be a very funny combination, but we'll have both on arrival for you and uh, okay, we'll see how that goes. Good. <laughs> sounds good. Um, as you just mentioned, it is a diverse kind of crowd that is now finding their way to Sparks. Um, I want to say 40 to 50 years in, into the journey of the band. Are you seeing that in the live setting? Are you noticing um, when you're playing shows that there is a much more diverse crowd in the last four or five years? We are. Yeah. And, and it, it kind of is, you know, through every country, every, every place that we play, we kind of notice that, that, you know, we're, we're always pleased that we can retain fans from, you know, decades ago, but just to have new people coming in and kind of, uh, you know, mingling with, with those people and people also the new people are kind of responding to the newer albums, which is is exciting for us. Uh, we try to avoid nostalgia in general, and so so to have people responding to what we've done recently uh, and coming at it with a a fresh set of ears is you know it's really exciting for us. And so the the audiences have been you know really varied, and you know. It's it's also one reason why we're really happy also to play the festival in Adelaide because we enjoy playing festivals where there are people that maybe never even heard of the band and and will get their first taste and you know hopefully we can convert uh uh some proportion of the audience to our cause. I have no doubt that that is going to happen. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm betting money on that. There's going to be quite a few converted into a into the Sparks kind of fan club at that moment. You do also have a few shows locked in in Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane, I believe. I think you just said before it's about 22 years since the the previous Australian tour. I'll, I'll ask both of you separately. I might get Russell to go first. Do you have any memories from that previous tour many years ago? Yeah, I mean, we we really enjoyed um, playing there. They, the shows were smaller, the the scale of it then, but but both shows were really exciting for us because it was the the very first trip to Australia. So, um, but I think now, like we mentioned a bit earlier, just coming back kind of under really different circumstances than that that last trip to Australia, it's, it makes it all, all the more fun for us. And, and the addition of playing uh, Adelaide and Brisbane as well, which we didn't go to at the only previous trip we made to, to Australia, it, uh, it makes it really exciting. And so, um, yeah, we're, we're really looking forward to this. Lovely. Ron, what about yourself? Do you have any uh, key memories from that, that last Australian trip to it? There were moments where, it felt strange for someone from Los Angeles where there were times when you would be walking along a beach area and you felt like you were in kind of a a mirror image of of where you had come from and and so uh so those were you know those were strange you know we we play in so many kind of uh cold desolate 
places. And so to come to a place where where it really had some similarities as far as the uh, you know, just the the some of the some of the climate, even though you're six months were six months at odds <laughs> with each other, but but also just uh beaches and and just a kind of a body language of the people seems sometimes to reflect what that that kind of hang loose kind of walking style that uh that we thought we had perfected but it actually is uh in abundance in australia <laughs> as well so those are those are things that i that i remember and you know we're we're just we're just thrilled though this time around to be able to play venues that are uh larger to be honest and and also to be playing in in more in more cities it's really exciting for us and for us also the uh you know i guess it's true internationally the sydney opera house really represents something it's such an iconic symbol of of australia even though it's obviously in 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 one city sydney um but it's it has such an iconic sort of uh, representation for us of just Australia. So to actually be playing in at the Sydney Opera House is a really, uh, really significant uh, thing for us. We've just played uh, the Hollywood Bowl in, in L.A., and that for us was such an iconic venue to play from our hometown. And then we also were able to play the um, Royal Albert Hall in, in London two nights there and, and Glastonbury Festival. So this this whole tour has been made up of a lot of really iconic venues and so to be able to come now and also play the uh, sydney opera house for us it's kind of the one more notch on our iconic <laughs> venues uh, list that we can scratch off i know that uh, there's a there's a lot of excitement around the opera house show that i think that show's going to be incredible myself going to try and as i said we are in adelaide going to try and make it for the sydney show as well but um i, I digress um as you just mentioned, you did recently play the Hollywood Bowl. I know that um, across the the Edgar Wright documentary that, that you mentioned earlier, the Sparks Brothers, it is a fantastic film. We'll make sure that anyone who hasn't seen it, who's listening to this podcast, will put it in the show notes for them to access and purchase or watch. Um, you talk about both of your times at UCLA and starting the band and wanting to play the Hollywood Bowl. Was that a bit of a, a pinch me moment? I guess what was... what. Was it everything that you expected? What was it like being able to finally play this venue after I imagine seeing various, various shows there yourselves? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you, it is the most iconic venue and kind of important symbolic venue in Los Angeles. And I had explained even when we were playing there on stage that when we first came on, I, um, it told the uh, story that our mom had taken us to see the Beatles there way back when and so this point later in our career to be actually on the same straight stage that uh we saw the beatles on in los angeles in their first go round, it was just really you know a really significant uh step for us and so it, um you know and it was it it was everything uh it had uh, been billed as it was uh, you know an amazing place and uh, one of our last songs that we do in the show uh you know, there was, uh, you know, 15,000 uh, people waving their uh, cell phone lights uh, over the whole outdoor venue. So it was just, it was a really amazing uh, 
way to end the show. And, uh, you know, it was really special. Usually when you're playing live, you try to stay in the moment, but playing there was kind of odd because, you know, I don't know, I found myself sometimes kind of stepping back and saying, I'm actually playing the Hollywood Bowl, you know, and <laughs> that doesn't happen often where you're kind of seeing yourself in uh, actually performing. And, and, but it was so surreal to, and it almost seemed like, you know, what am I doing here uh, sort of situation, but it, it, the show went so beautifully and, and we couldn't have been more pleased. I'm so very glad to hear that. And um, again, it makes me more excited for the tour that is coming down to Australia. Um, the current tour is in support of the most recent Sparks record. It came out in May, I believe. It is called The Girl Is Crying In Her Latte. Um, and I just want to say congratulations because is it a, it is another brilliant addition to the Sparks catalogue. So firstly, congrats on this, on this Thank record. You. Thank you. Yeah. Of course. Um, I'm very curious because as we've discussed with such a long and tenured kind of career, it is the 20, I want to say it's the 26th record from the band. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Do either of you still get nervous or concerned when it comes to putting new music out or when you're releasing a record? Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, I mean, I think it's more now just um, excited with the anticipation of having something new, knowing also that the, um, you know, the audience has evolved along with, with Sparks evolving. And so I think that that's what makes it extra exciting that, you know, when we, we really try to do something that's, um, you know, if somebody is picking up on sparks for the very first time with the new album that hopefully we've created something that's really special and striking and doesn't sound like it's coming from a band with a 26 album long history uh, to them, that it sounds really contemporary. And I think people come away from our live shows with that same sort of feeling that um, we kind of intermingle songs from different eras we do we do quite a few songs from the new from the new album from the girls crying in her latte but we we also do songs from different periods of the career now and so i think it that sort of the the you know the ability to do do that where songs don't necessarily sound like they're of another era i think happily the songs that are 
early songs of ours and ones that are from the middle of our career and, and the current songs, the latest songs, they all sort of sound like they're of a piece. And so uh, we're really happy with that, that it, it doesn't sound like, oh, now we're going to do some old songs. And it, 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 it all sounds like it's, it's of a piece, I think. And I think that's something that we're proud of. We're really also happy just because we have a band. We've had the band for several tours now, and and they're they're able to play the songs true to the originals of whatever the time was, but also really not like in a session kind of way, like like really like a band, and and that's a that's a tricky thing to find people that play incredibly well but but that don't play in a sterile kind of way and so they really bring the old songs to life and and they fit on the new ones so that's you know kind of natural for them so it it the live shows are you know we really feel comfortable you know i mean you're never 100 percent comfortable but just we feel more comfortable than we ever have as far as the presentation of our live shows and you know as far as releasing an album you know we we make sure that uh i mean there's no you know there's no predicting how other people will respond to it but from our standpoint we don't release anything unless we feel confident that it's something that we think is is special and we hope that other people can can see it in that way as well 100 percent. i think that it's something that both of you have kind of touched on is is the fact that the songwriting throughout this new record seems to be timeless in the sense of that it, you could not place it in in a genre or in a in a i don't want to say trend but you know that it's not just like a oh that was the emo stage of the 2000s whatever it, it, it was some timeless songwriting i think um if, if i may be a little bit selfish i wanted to raise my favorite track on the record and just see if i could get a little bit of behind the scenes yeah. i really loved um you were meant for me i thought the songwriting on that mm. track was brilliant and the fact that it was almost like not traditional songwriting in the verse but that then the chorus kind of takes on a bit of a left veer so anytime you not get comfortable, but it almost subverts where you think the song is going, which I love as well. I was wondering if, yeah, I might be able to just get a bit of a, what inspired that track or the behind the scenes of the creation. Well, the, you know, the, the writing is kind of done so spontaneously that it's kind of, it wasn't like kind of setting out. It never seems like it's setting out to do something. So it, it kind of came together pretty quick, but the, uh, the, the the chorus part you know kind of it's like we enjoy doing the thing of pulling the rug out from under somebody getting comfortable within the mm-hmm. song either with in a musical way or or else lyrically where it's words that you wouldn't necessarily hear or you know pe- people's names within proper names within a song that you wouldn't necessarily you know here in in other people's songs so we we like that kind of jarring of, effect of of kind of the juxtaposition of of different things and you know i i you know we 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 have nothing against kind of traditional songwriting it isn't like that we 
are trying to do things that are uh, weird. It's just that uh, it, it always has been the case that whatever we've come up with, I mean, we we love com- pop music, and that in in entails a certain amount of uh, of formula to it. But we like kind of playing with the the formula of pop music in 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 interesting ways and just to know that you can still kind of play with that form but still remain consistent to a three and four minute song is something that you know it's fascinating 100 percent. i i absolutely love that song so thank you very much for indulging me on that um has have you found that this the songwriting has changed within the band over the last 40, 50 years? Is it kind of still the similar process between the two of you or does that evolve with each record that's released? Well, I mean, one thing that's happened, which is we think is a good thing, is just the evolution of kind of how we record that at the start of our career, obviously you had to go into large professional studios in order to make a record. There were no home studios at the time. And obviously with time, the technology... uh, became available where you can record on your own your own home and do things and i think for us that's become a really big asset where we can record in a traditional way where ron will maybe write a song before coming into the studio that we have in my place or we can write uh come up with instrumental things that we don't even know where they're headed um but just try stuff and then see if you can shape that into a song in in some sort of way so it's it's allowed the songwriting to be done in different ways that that when we first started you really couldn't record in that work in that sort of way because there were limitations you had to come up with something because the clock is ticking off in the studio and you're spending tons of money but now you can kind of record in these different ways either from a song that's sort of pre-written or just say we don't have anything let's just start start playing and see what happens and then uh you know and so it's it's only a positive thing from our standpoint that uh technology has kind of uh made it possible to work in different ways in the even in the songwriting process 100 percent. well i think from the band that brought us computer girl you've you've been manifesting that from the start i almost feel yeah yeah we were ahead of our time in exactly we're seeing that things would change eventually <laughs> i i feel like it might be a bit of a silly question but obviously with the documentary and as we've said that the the exposure of sparks has gotten much larger in the last number of years have you found more artists reaching out to either of you to collaborate to not duet, but to, to kind of write together or have some kind of feature? Well, you know, we, well, we did the, the one project, obviously with Franz Ferdinand several years ago, uh, FFS. Um, so there was kind of a, you know, both bands had really liked each other and we just had talked about it. Um, wouldn't it be interesting if we did pooled our resources and, and just to see what, what would come of that creatively and and so you know but it's that whole process is a big commitment by both bands because especially when bands are really um you know do their own thing 
um, so specifically. So it, it takes a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of focus to do that. So we did at that time with, with them. And, you know, we've done though various one-off projects with various artists, just one song or two songs with different artists throughout our, our career. Um, but you know, we haven't done anything in the last, uh, couple of years. I don't, I don't think with, with other, with other artists, uh, but it doesn't mean we, we won't, uh, you know, if the, <laughs> the right situation is there. Yeah. 100%. Well, I, I know that there's one collaboration that has kind of occurred, might not have been a musical artist, but there was a collaboration on the um, the music video for The Girl Is Crying In Her Latte with um, fellow Australian Kate Blanchett. I feel that uh, a number of people have seen the, the incredibly viral video and the fact, I think, that you brought her out at Glaston, uh, Glastonbury recently. It's yeah. 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 Yeah, Kate is a... Uh one of the uh, wonders of the world. Yeah, we're, we were so happy to have met her um, under really just really strange circumstances. We were at, at the, uh, in France, at the César Awards where our film Annette was nominated for a lot of awards and we won for best music for that film. And Kate was also at the Césars in Paris that it was two years ago. And um, she was there to receive a Lifetime Achievement Award. And then she had come knocking on our dressing room door. We also performed one of the songs from Annette at that. So we had this little dressing room uh, that we were preparing and before the show. And she knocked on our door and, and introduced herself. And we said, oh, my God, it's Kate Blanchett. Uh, what is she doing in our <laughs> in our dressing room? Somebody throw her out, you know, and uh, and. Um, you know, she said she had been a big fan of Sparks for for a long time since she was growing up in Australia. And uh, so we kept in touch and then we needed to do a video for the first song for for uh, the girls crying in her latte for that that song from that same the, the, the title track of the album. And so we thought we would give Kate a, Kate a, a, a shout out and see if she would be interested because we didn't have a real specific idea of what we wanted to do for the video we thought kate will certainly bail us out of uh, us having a lack of ideas for what we wanted to do and so we played her the song and she said she loved it and then she came to la and just said do whatever you want uh we'll stand <laughs> behind you be in the foreground and do your thing so she came with that uh, equipped with that whole persona that she has in the video uh, and uh doing her little uh her really uh amazing dance routine whenever the chorus kicked into that song and so uh yeah she's been great and then we asked her just you know she was in england at the time we said hey uh we're doing glastonbury festival and she's oh my god i'm going to glastonbury glastonbury this year she was going just as a as a music fan to go to the festival uh to attend it and we said oh then you by all means you have to come on stage then with us if you're going to be there anyway so uh she took the challenge and she uh yeah, she was she was amazing during the show. It required really quite a bit of cosplay from some of the uh, girls in the audience that uh, come equipped with the yellow dress and the headphones and the glasses and uh, uh, dance like her during during that song <laughs> in particular. I did see there was a few. Yeah, there was a few uh, yellow suits, yellow dresses, the uh, mm -hmm. the red headphones. 
look, we might not have Kate Blanchett at the Harvest Rock Festival. Are you are you taking auditions for anyone? If I manage to find myself a yellow suit, <laughs> can we ha- maybe have yeah. a discussion? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're you're halfway there. You're Australian, so you yeah. you managed to <laughs> true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How many Academy Awards have you won, though? Look, I, I'll admit she's ahead of me in that race, but that the race <laughs> is not over, so we'll. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Between now and the time we show up there, if you if you can prove that you've won an Academy Award, then we'll we'll consider you to come on stage with us. That is a. I will. Um. I will keep you updated on how that goes, okay. and I'll have an interesting <laughs> month or so, um, gentlemen. Uh, Usually we would ask, I guess, what they're currently listening to um, to wrap things up. I'll start with you, Ron. Is there anything at the moment that you're listening to at the moment that's kind of caught your fancy? Well, I, I, you know, as much as I love pop music, I try to listen to things from other genres uh, when I'm not recording. You know, I, I like jazz, in particular Miles Davis things, and I go back to that, you know, just to, to kind of listen to things that I can't do. And, and so I like listening to, to that sort of modal jazz where I have, it's not something that I could ever kind of come close to. And, or I like listening to, you know, 12 tone music, you know, like Schoenberg or something like that, where, where it's still mis- mysterious to me as far as how it's made. So, um, you know, I grew up on pop music and that's my passion. But, but when I'm not kind of doing that, I, other than kind of listening to things to see popular things to see if it fits in sonically with what we're doing, as far as like some general musical inspiration, I kind of turn to other fields. No, that's very, very fair. Russell, what about yourself? Yeah, I mean, the opposite uh, extreme to that. I don't know. I just, I'm, I, I like listening to some K-pop stuff just because it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's working in a different kind of way than just being a traditional band. And, um, and you know, and it, it's not that I like all of it, uh, a lot, but you know, like BTS is, you know, they, there's something there that's approaching pop music in a, in a, in a different way. And that the dance, the whole, uh, you know, imposing dancing as being such a strong element of it. It's a, you know, it's a different way of looking at pop music and, you know, and it's, and so I think, you know, at its best, there's some moments that are, you know, that are exciting from, from them. 100%. Two very kind of different picks, but I'm I'm weirdly not surprised in terms of the music that I thought Sparks would pick. It is something that subverts expectations once again. So gentlemen, thank you very much for sharing that with me. And thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. We're very excited to see you in Australia uh, in a month's time. Um, but yes, thank you again for your time. Oh, pleasure. Thank you. Good talking yeah. with you. Take care. We look forward to seeing everybody there.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.